Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today, we look at the legacy of David as we conclude our series, Warrior King. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. This series, The Warrior King, David-like leadership for Goliath-like times, it's not just a cute title. It's something we really need. The times are Goliath-like and the need for leadership. Oh, Lord, raise it up, please. Uh, we suffer for the lack thereof in so many ways, I fear. Today, you're kind of connecting the dots from King David to Messiah. And it's interesting because Jesus was born in Goliath times, right? Romans, the Romans were there. It was not an easy time no. to live, just like in King David's day. Indeed. In our last drama in the series, David ponders the future. Let's go there now. Matthew 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David the son of Abraham. All of the generations to David are 14 generations. From David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Raised in a Jewish family, I can't tell you how surprised I was finally one day to open up the quote Christian Bible and discover that it's a very Jewish story. The New Testament in Hebrew is the Berit Hadashah, the New Covenant. And while it's new at one level, it's not brand new. And the reason why I say that is if you look at the, uh, uh, the New Testament, you have a lot of carryover there from themes that resonated in the Old Testament text. The Hebrew Bible closes with uh, unappeased longings, unfulfilled prophecies, expectations yet to have uh, uh, been realized. And the Old Testament comes to a close with a prophecy yet fulfilled given to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, promised was that a special leader was going to come from Davidic lineage. And not long after that, we just see a long crumble and tumble as Israelite culture falls apart. It's racked by political intrigue, unrest, sin. Like a boa constrictor wraps itself around the commonwealth and squeezes the life out of it. The New Testament opens up in the Matean Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew in Hebrew. Sefer Hayuchasin Shal Yeshua HaMashiach Ben David U Ben Avraham, the book 
of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I'm coming to you from Israel right now, and in this country today, there are people that would make me feel guilty if they had their way. Oh, you're a Jew, you can't believe in Jesus. And I could go to, to Rome, I'd imagine, or other places, and there would be Christian people who'd say, oh, uh, you can't be Jewish. And the reason is, is because there's a chasm that's alleged. There's the Jewish world over here, and there's the Jesus world over there, and they, uh, they just don't belong together. Well, hear me, please. If that's true, then Matthew never got the memo. Because when I read my Bible, the first breath of the story connects Jesus to the Jew through the Old Testament's most famous Jew, arguably, at least one of them, David. So many chapters written about him and by him, he's right up there at the top of the list. I grew up singing his praises. David, Melech, Israel, Chai Vizchayon. David, the king of Israel, lives forever. And there's songs today in Hebrew. Melech, Hoser, Umashiach, Umagen. King, Redeemer, Savior, and Shield. All this harks back to David. David, who captured the imagination of a people, loved God, sought God, a kingdom builder, carved out space on planet Earth, where God's will and ways resonated. David. And we look in the New Testament, we learn that his offspring, his most famous offspring, makes his entrance onto the stage of the human drama. But like David himself, he came in a troubled world. And why do I say that? Well, Yosef, uh, his uh, stepdad, was rather troubled. We read in Matthew chapter 1 that he learns that his girlfriend, his fiance, Miriam, has come up pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the guy. And, and he's minded to divorce her, but wanting to do it quietly. But what happens is he's visited by an angel. The word angel in Hebrew, malach, comes from a Ugaritic verb, which means to send. God dispatches a messenger to Yosef. And what does he tell him? And I quote in verse 20, he says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Yosef, Ben David, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam as your wife. And he did just that, and the rest is history. We've been looking at David in this series, but, as now, but now as we wrap up on David, we want to look at David's most famous son. We want to consider Yeshua Jesus of Davidic extract who personifies all that was good about David and more. Inasmuch as David brought about deliverance in the Old Testament, so too we learn about one presaged in the synagogue's literature who would bring about peace on earth and goodwill toward man. And off to the synagogue I go. And it's good to know that the synagogue predicted many years before he came, the Messiah would come and be descended from David. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, 
Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shalt be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. In Luke chapter 2, verse 32, Jesus is described as a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And then he's noted as being, quote, the glory of the people of Israel. Personally, I believe we live in a world where people have come to terms with the fact that he's the, quote, light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, although I'm not altogether sure people know what that means. But I do believe we live in a world where falling off the cliff is the notion that this Jesus is the glory of the people of Israel. As for, for the first point, him being a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, I'm not altogether sure that everyone has come to terms with the fact that Jesus can give revelation to individuals. People need to be born anew, receive him in their hearts, and then there's an inner light, if you will. And people, when they face vexing circumstances, can hear a voice within them saying, this is the way, walk in it. And as people cultivate the Christian life, they can then have revelation to give them answers for the vexing troubles of the day. Some people have a superficial kind of worship of Jesus without coming to terms with the nature of what it is to be born and again and have the spirit within and thus to have revelation to lead us on into triumph. Issues with that aside, I do know that falling off the cliff, as I'd said, is the sense that Jesus is in fact the glory of the people of Israel. And this is tragic, I believe. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, uh, Luke considers Jesus' origin. There's a story here of an angel, Gabriel, who visits a Jewess named Miriam. Miriam comes from the Hebrew mar, which means bitterness or sorrow, and yom, which means sea, sea of sorrows. Well, it might be an appropriate name. She was carrying the world on her shoulders uh, when she learned that she, oops, came up pregnant through the agency of the Ruach HaKodesh, completely unexpected. Here's a young girl, and this has all happened upon her, and she's perplexed, and she carries it in her heart trying to sort out what it all means. Well, we're told here that her husband, <laughs> was trying to sort it out as well. And as we saw in the previous segment, he gets a visitation. Here, this uh, messenger visits Miriam personally and tells her what she may well sense in verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And then we're told in 32 and three that he will be great and we be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. See, Yeshua is an extension of David. And that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. If, if I read the Bible correctly, Miriam is informed that the Mashiach, the Messiah, for the world is going to come through her. 
in as much as David was promised in, uh, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you can look it up, verses 12 and 13, that the special son who was going to come and be assigned a throne and a household and a dominion to reign forever. Uh, here you look into the New Testament story, the Christian Bible, or what's construed as the non-Jewish Bible, to hear about the coming of the Savior of the world, the way the story unfolds in its own context is that, yes, this is the Savior of the world, but this person is the glory of the Jewish world. Today in Israel, if a rabbi came forth and had one one-thousandth of the influence that Jesus had, if you look at the Jesus story, the genius here is we're taking the Jewish Bible and we're getting into the hearts and minds of billions on planet Earth. And this is facilitated through a Jesus experience. And Jesus is the principal interpreter as individuals look at the New Testament and get some sense of how to interpret the Old Testament by virtue of their so doing. If there was any Jewish rabbi in the world today that exacted this kind of influence, he would be heralded as the best thing since the invention of wheat bread, the best Jewish scholar since Moses. Jesus was the greatest Jew that ever lived, and he came with a prophecy attached to him, and that is that he would bring revelation to the Gentiles and be the glory of the people Israel. Now listen, I believe today that we need David-like leadership for Goliath-like times. Individuals need the son of David in their hearts because he can bring revelation. That is to say, if you're vexed with challenges, he can give you insights and give you a word so you know how to walk through it onward to a glorious and successful future. Do you wonder about your future as a believer in the Messiah? Our founder, Zola Levitt, wrote a booklet that tells us what lies ahead. Glory, the future of the believers. Inside, Zola explains the coming rapture, our time in heaven, the kingdom on earth, and then eternity. Find out what God has prepared for those that love Him. Call 1-800-WONDERS or go to levitt.com. If you only watch us on television, you're missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. Join us as we tour Israel and Petra. Please contact us for more information. We would love to hear from you. I get text messages and letters to support this candidate and that, expressions of a need, and they're all genuine. I can't support all of it, but I'll tell you, I have supported some of it because I know for the right stuff to emerge in this world, we need to invest in it. And that said, if you believe that this ministry brings good things to life, I don't know that we put a president's in office, but we put presence in office. Hopefully that is to say that the Lord's presence is the more stirred up in your own heart and mind to give you strategic vision. If you believe there's value in that, please be supportive of us in the doing. 
in as much as candidates ask for your help to put them in office, please help us put Jesus on the throne through a gracious donation to our Jewish roots. And when the wise men were come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The word worship uh, comes from an expression, a ship of worth, and it means to ascribe value to something. You might be familiar with the story when these individuals come, these men from the East come, and what do they do? They, they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they laid it down at the feet of a young king named Yeshua, Jesus. Uh, the reason why I mention that at this juncture is because we live in a world today when individuals similarly come and give gifts and they lay it down at the feet of this Davidic king who we refer to as Jesus or in the Hebrew, Yeshua, the son of David, Ben David. He's introduced in the New Testament as the son of David. And we've introduced you to David or reintroduced you or reacquainted you with David in the Hebrew Bible. And what did we learn? We learned of a story of a young fellow who came out of obscurity, little known, disrespected. His own father didn't believe in him and his brothers disrespected him. But difficulties aside, he jumped into the fray. He cared about God. He cared about taking up Israel's burdens. He hated injustice. He went after it with verve and vitality. And at the end of the day, the Lord used him to carve out a kingdom. In this series, we've been concerned with David. We referred to him as the warrior king. And over and again, you've heard me talk about the need for David-like leadership and these Goliath-like times. That means different things in different contexts. For sure, I believe we do well if in government we're led by individuals with Judeo-Christian ethics. I love those values and virtues and would that individuals were men and women after God's own heart. I believe that's a recipe for success because the extent to which individuals are yielded to God's kingdom it affords an opportunity then for those biblical virtues to inform decision makers. And I just think the world's a better place when these decision makers have a place in their hearts for biblical values. David-like leadership in Goliath-like times can refer to the smaller culture within the culture. There's the broader world culture, and then there's individual family culture. I believe that families need David-like leadership in Goliath-like times. Would that families learn to live by biblical virtue and vision? Would that families learned about forgiveness? Would that families learn the lessons that we find in the life of David? We could be spared many pains. I believe that families are the better when we take into account what we can learn from David's uh, principles as well as what we can learn from his example, both good and bad. And then there's individuals. I believe that individuals need David-like leadership 
for Goliath-like times. And the way that that happens is by individuals inviting the Son of David into their world. I believe that when we ask Jesus into our hearts, we're asking the Son of David to come into our hearts. And when we bow the knee to him, we're bowing the knee to the reign of the Son of David. I believe that we need that. I believe that we need him. I believe that we need God. And I believe that there's an offer on the table. In this series, you've heard me talk about David. And as I bring it to a close, I want to talk to you about you. I hope you've been following the series. Maybe this is the only program you've picked up on. And I want you to know if that's the case, whether you've seen all of it or just this one, I want you to know that there's an offer on the table. The Hebrew Bible is opened up for all to see and experience now because of a Jew named Jesus, whom I construe as the greatest Jewish man who ever lived, and he was more than a man. And uh, what he's done is through the agency of his life and death and ministry and his resurrection is afforded the opportunity for all people to open up the Bible and learn about the God of Israel. That God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. If individuals would but receive him, if individuals would but embrace the principles found in his book, then they would be strong. Over and again, we find in the biblical text how God raises up individuals, whether it's David, whether it's Abraham, whether it's you. It's not just about those guys, it's about you. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. Our hope and prayer at this table is that you've been encouraged by the series and know that you're not alone, that even biblical times people went through things like King David did. Indeed, his life was quite a journey. Yes. And do you know that the journey through life begins with taking the first steps? Some of you have been walking along for quite some time. The problem is Jesus hasn't been in the footsteps. That is, you've been doing it your way and not his way. If you're not entirely satisfied the results, let me encourage you to do what we did, what David had to do, in fact. He wasn't perfect, you know, but he turned to the Lord. God forgave him. And that's our story as well. We want that to be your story too. One of the tasks that falls upon me, like any minister in a congregation, is to ask people uh, to make a donation, to, to take up an offering. And I'm pleased to come before you. I'm not asking you for your money. I'm asking you for your future, and not for my sake, but for yours. Would you please, please, for your sake, you can send me a letter after you've done it, but please, I don't know where you are in life, but I know that God is good and he has a wonderful plan for our lives, but we have to turn to him. If you're walking the wrong way today, make a swift turn, turn the other way. Reach up to God, reach up to heaven. You'll discover heaven reaching down to you and you can join the happy throng of individuals who have been transformed by the saving power of Israel's Messiah. We hope you've been watching this whole series about King David, and my takeaway word is patience. If you feel like you've been waiting and waiting for God to do something in your life, don't give up, don't get weary. King David didn't get up, and in his due time, in the right timing, 
God brought him into his next chapter and to be king over Israel. More to come in our program. Stay with us. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find Faith Foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. We really do hope you've enjoyed this series on King David. If you've missed any of our programs, you can go back, and there's a great way to do that on our social media spot. Right, and our ministry website, levitt.com. Actually, a couple days ago, I literally was going through our website, and you wouldn't believe all the free things that you can watch. There's even chat boards on there that you can talk with people from around the world about messianic topics and about, of course, the Bible. Great website, great tool. We're on social media. Find us. And uh, we've got to one more time. We're going back to Israel. You get to hear from Chaim Maelstrom. <laughs> I'm standing here on Mount Gerizim. That's right, the Mount of Blessing, right here where 83% of the Bible happened in Judea and Samaria, as some call it, the West Bank. And I wanna ask a little trivia. What stories in the Bible, what history do you know that happened right here in the heartland of Israel, Judea and Samaria, AKA also known as the West Bank? Well, yes, the sun standing still in Givon, well, sure, Jacob laying his head on, a, on a, a stone and seeing the angels going up and down, and so on and so forth. The promises that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about this land being in our possession until the Oslo Accords. Just kidding, forever. Right down here is the city of Shechem, uh, or Shechem. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it in English, uh, where Jacob bought land and he dug a well. We, I've had the privilege recently to go and have some of that water from the very well of my forefather. I realized when I made my Aliyah to Israel, just like Joshua and the 12 tribes did from right to the left side of that mountain, we are realizing prophecy is still being fulfilled. When I see the vines that are being planted here, prophecy in Jeremiah is still being fulfilled. When the nations, when you come and see this land and say, Lord, save your people, you're fulfilling Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 6. Thank you for fulfilling prophecy. ask you for forgiveness right now. I think I've said this before in this program, but Dr. Seif, thank you for your great insight in this whole series. Oh, you're so very kind. I'm sorry it's over, it but there's over. more to come. It's a big Bible, lots of stories to tell. There are lots of stories to tell, and you tell them very well. And our whole team, our whole programming team and director and the actors and the reenactments, well done. And it's the end of another series. It, it always makes me a little bit sad. Yes, it is. And all of you are on the team, too, if you support us. Thank you for that. 
Come back next week. We have more of our Jewish roots. Until then, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.